0: Even a most casual reading of the entire biblical narrative should reveal to you and I that in every man and woman that God uses, there is this ongoing sanctification process in their lives. And for the remainder of their walk with God, they will be under his influence, where there will be an infusion of of God's mind into theirs God's purposes into theirs God's character God's nature God's likeness uh, uh, God's way God's will will be infused into these biblical characters and it's a wonderful pattern for you and I that are gloriously saved in Jesus Christ not only are we saved and then left alone but We are saved to begin a wonderful lifelong process of further saving, further transformation, further reconstitution of our person in God. Paul would write to the uh, Thessalonians in chapter 5, verse 23. He says, may the God of peace himself sanctify you. In other words, this is a God a god job Uh, husbands can't really sanctify their wives even though we try it just doesn't work our wives can't sanctify us we can't really make our kids holy Uh, we we don't have that influence over one another only god can do this you know when you and i try to sanctify one another we also do this in a in a spirit of judgment Uh, we are arrogant about it we are condemning about it and condescending about it, and we are critical and we we think that we can change another person. But I love how Paul says, God, may the God of peace, God's at peace with us. He's the only one that can really change us because he's not condemning us and criticizing and being condescending. He's at peace with us to build us up, as Paul would say in Corinthians, from glory to glory into the image of Jesus Christ. May the God of peace himself, like this is a God job only. And for those of you and I who are born of the Spirit of God, um, yes, can we learn from others? Yes, can we be challenged by others? Yes, but ultimately we can only be changed and transformed under the direct influence of God. Paul says in verse 23, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and your body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to the lifelong influence of a peaceful God To preserve you and I blameless in Jesus Christ I want to fellowship with you a little bit about this influence of God it's so wonderful when God leads us in positive ways and speaks and and reveals things but there's also the influence of God to refine us to wash us to conform us to renew us to reconstitute us and often yeah, that's a little bit of a tough process and it rubs us the wrong way. And it could be very difficult to be under the sanctifying influence of God. Of course, to be under the revelation influence of God and the teaching influence of God and the gifting influence of God. Oh, that's just fantastic. But so often, when I'm under the dealing and discipline and refining influence of God, uh, that's when I get offended with God. And that's when many of us pack our bags and we say, "Yeah, I'm done with, with Jesus. But beloved, he's doing a good thing and he's not punishing us. He's not out to get us. He's at peace with us. And he's wanting to preserve us blameless unto the coming of Jesus. Uh, In this message, I want to fellowship with you a little bit about this influence of holiness. And at the end of the message, I want to wrap it up into just a few words about the object of our transformation. That God is not only dealing with us to get rid of places in our lives and environments in our lives and habits in our lives and all of these extremities. But he's doing a work in. In us unto a particular focus Um, there's a particular goal that God has in mind Uh, Paul would write about it and I'll talk to you at the end of the message about it there's actually a predestination on our lives regarding this issue of holiness and I will fellowship with you at the end of the message a little bit more regarding that I hope that as we are speaking about the Lord's work in you, the Lord's deliverance in you, the Lord's confronting in you, the Lord's dealings in you, I hope that as we're speaking about holiness passing through you, I really, really hope there is something in you that's beginning to say yes to all of this. I hope your spirit can witness with what I'm saying and with the revelation in the word that God deals with us as with sons and the Lord's discipline is not to get you but it's to mature you to sanctify you God's discipline is to conform you to his holiness I hope in your spirit a yes is forming for this yes yes I see that yes I see that yes I really really hope inside of you there is a compliance forming, there's a partnership forming, there's an acquiescence forming, there's an agreement forming, there's a confession forming, and I don't know how the Lord is dealing with you, or disciplining you, or confronting issues in your life, but I just hope that before we have understanding how all of that even works, we would have a deep settled yes. Yes, Lord, you can uh, turn over the tables in this house. You can drive the money out of this house. Yes, Lord, this will be a house of prayer. Um, Judgment begins at the house of God. Yes, Lord, here I am, your temple, your house. Yes, Lord, I accept your dealings. And by the way, the Lord is not punishing you. He is sanctifying you. The Lord's not causing you to suffer to pay back a debt. The Lord is not mad at you and I, the Lord has actually a vision for you and I. The Lord's dealings is according to holiness, not according to sin. The blood has dealt with sin. The cross has dealt with sins. So all we have to do is say, Lord, I'm sorry. But saints, when God speaks to you regarding the movies you watch, the places you go, the relationships you have, when the Lord speaks to you about your attitude and issues of your heart, it's according to holiness. It's not according to sin. The Lord's already dealt with the sin issue. Our next segment in our curriculum together is the issue of the cross. It has dealt with your shortcomings. It has dealt with the sin nature in you. It has dealt with the sins you commit in the flesh. All you've got to do is confess. But uh, the topic of our discussion here, my burden is that, yes, the Lord is going to still confront motives, agendas, egos, ambitions, vocabularies, understandings in you. The Lord's gonna try to transform you in your mind, the way you think and the way you interact. Again, in every area of your life, the Lord wants to spread holiness. And I want you to make peace with it, that the Lord is not out to get you. He's not out to uh, um, be a spoil sport. He's actually out to influence His holiness into every aspect of your life. Praise the Lord. So you and I live the image of God out in this earth. We live the burden of God, the dominion of God, the authority of God, the blessing of God. We live it out in this earth. So he wants holiness to spread into your being. Just like leaven comes into a lump of dough and leavenizes the entire batch. And of course, that's a picture of sin. Leaven is sin that sinnies the entire batch of dough. Even so, in a more positive analogy, holiness, who is just Christ in you, wants to spread and multiply into your entire being so that the entire temple, which you are, the house of God, becomes holy. Even though we live on this earth, we are the carriers of the ark of God. The presence of God. The holy, divine, eternal, transcendent God in you and I. And He wants that holiness to glow out of us in every possible way. So now... We are under this process of sanctification. So on your notes, how long is this process? Well, saints. It is lifelong. It's a lifelong process. Where the Lord will deal with you and I. At times the dealing will be so intense. It'll be day in and day out and the Lord will not relent. And a week goes by and you just feel choked and so weighted down. And the Lord just turns over every page in your life. And then all of a sudden there's the breakthrough. And then weeks may go by and the Lord is not so... Intensely addressing issues, you're more in the revelation stage or you're more in the fellowship stage, so to speak. And then all of a sudden, for no reason whatsoever, the Lord turns it on again. And it's like a wave that washes over you and you're just so weighted down. It seems you can't even breathe and the Lord turns that over and shows you different things. And you're just under the season. For many of us, it, it happens in a seasonal way. And these are the times that we experience dryness and seemingly the Lord's absence. Oh, God is just so distant. What happens? You're in a season of dealing. This is not the goosebump season. It's not the season of revelation. It's not the season of sweet poetry and songs and dance before the Lord and fellowship. I love you, Lord. Thank you that you love me. It's not a season of joy. It's a season of mourning. And that week, that month, for many of us, it's a long period of trial and suffering almost. And we're just bleeding. And the Lord is cutting us. And then it lifts. Because either you've rejected God. You've denied. You've been hardened. Or you've been so soft and like, oh, yes, Lord, I accept it. And the Lord gains the breakthrough. But saints, as long as you live... God will be at work in you, both to will and to do according to His good pleasure. So sanctification is a lifelong process. If you look at your notes there on the right-hand column at the top, I say sanctification and its many cognates appears more than a thousand times in the Bible. So it is a very obvious truth that God wants to sanctify. That is... Holify His people. And uh, in the Hebrew word, the word for holiness and sanctification is the word kadosh. And in Greek, it's hagiosmos. God wants to sanctify, purify, cleanse, deliver, holify you and I. So let's look at the notes a little bit and let's ask ourselves the question again, what is sanctification? Point number one, in the Old Testament, sanctification was a dedication. It was a consecration. It was a setting apart for some specific and holy use. People, including inanimate things, were all set apart unto the Lord. You've got a picture there in Exodus, Leviticus, Chronicles, Jeremiah, even the Gospel of John, where the Lord wants to take something or someone and completely set that thing or that person apart. This is sanctification. It's to move you, to cross you. Over to bring you out and in. That's sanctification. So the work of the Lord in you is a work to set you apart. Again, in your will, God wants to set you apart. In your emotions, in your creativity, in your career, in every area, God wants you as His special treasure. He wants you completely on His side. It's almost like there's a line in the sand. And God wants the ones that He has redeemed to be fully out of Egypt, cross over that Red Sea, cross over that line, and live fully in the life of His image. This is sanctification. So in the New Testament, sanctification goes a step further. Not only is sanctification a matter of service and dedication, but sanctification in the New Testament becomes an issue of your inner constitution. Now, let me give an example of what I'm talking about. In the Old Testament, that lamb was set apart for a sacrifice. It was sanctified. It's not a lamb for the fields anymore. It's a lamb as an offering for sin. So it's been set apart in its usage. Is everybody with me? Even the people of Israel, here they are in Egypt. So the Lord wants to take them and remove them from that territory so that they live in a new territory. That's sanctification. And you've got that picture of the people coming out and now belonging fully, not to Egypt and its culture, but to God. That's sanctification. Or you have a man like Aaron, for instance. Here's Aaron. He's just a normal person, but God wants to set him apart for a particular service, a function. We're gonna make a priest out of Aaron. Is everybody with me? Now, we've got wool over here. We've got gold over here. We have got silk over here, different clothing. We've got shoes over here, everything. It's just the way people dress. We've got ornaments, we've got jewels, we've got stones. I want to take all of this stuff, we're going to set it apart for this service over here. So the gold is sanctified for God's purposes, not for man's purposes. The precious stones is for God's purposes. The, the robe, the silk, the, the, the linen, every possible thing is set apart unto God. So that's the picture we have in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, it goes a little deeper than that. And I'll give you again an Old Testament example. Remember, the Israelites were brought out of Egypt. And now they're living in the desert. But even though they were removed from a territory even though they were removed from a position in Egypt to a position in the desert, they still had a problem internally. Internally, they were not set apart. Even though in their bodies they had been removed from Egypt, and they're wandering in the desert now, internally, Egypt was still in their blood, in their psyche. It was even in their taste. Oh, if we can just have the onions of Egypt. Their entire being was still Egyptian, even though their body had been removed from Egypt. Does that make sense? So the picture of the New Testament sanctification process is just not to bring you out of sin, but to internally change you in your constitution. It's not just an external sanctification. You know, when we were sinners, we just... Lived loose, but now we're in Christ. I don't live loose anymore, but inside I have the spirit of looseness. That's what God's coming after. Yes, the Lord removed you from sin. But now he's changing your inner craving for sin, your inner fallenness, your inner waywardness, your inner corruption. The leaven that's inside of you is getting addressed. So, in the New Testament, sanctification is not just about your clothes, your earrings, your tattoos, your movies, this place, that campus. You're not just being removed from the pub and the bar. And so many of us, we just think, oh, I don't go to a bar, so obviously I'm holy. That's not the New Testament heartbeat of holiness. Of course, we need to stop fornicating. Stop being lewd, lascivious, drunk, gluttons. Of course, you see all of that in the New Testament. Stop our paganism and our idolatrous practices and our hedonism. Of course, God wants us to stop all of that stuff by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen? Amen. But here's the issue. So many of you you're not on the pub drinking, or you're not at the place womanizing, but inside of me, oh man. Oh. That's what God's coming after. It's an internal issue. The constitution to remove the taste of the world out of you, the craving. Out of us. That is a much deeper work of God than just to walk away from the pub, so to speak. Is everybody with me? It's an issue of your constitution. Point number two. um, Sanctification encompasses the entire scope of God's redemption in man in three stages. So hey, here's just a sketch. A table with three stages of sanctification. You'll see there's the initial stage, the intermediate stage, and the ultimate stage of sanctification. But sanctification is the entire process of all three stages. Look here at your um, your graph. There's the initial stage of sanctification This is when you experience a positional change, and where the Lord imparts Himself into you. But then you see, you progress now after that to the next stage. I call that ongoing sanctification. Don't think just the day that you got born again, you are now a holy person. No, you experience the initial seed of sanctification. Holiness moved into you, but now holiness wants to work out of you. Salvation came into you initially, but now it wants to progress and mature and spread and multiply through your being. So now God wants to bring you into experiential holiness. Experiential sanctification, where it's practical and you grow and mature and progress. And then we get to the ultimate stage. The ultimate stage. This is when you fully manifest God's salvation. You fully manifest God's sanctification. I've been walking with the Lord for a good while and I know you have. Who here fully manifests the Lord's salvation? Not yet, in due time we will. But see, you and I had an initial start. Now we're in a progressive, ongoing maturing of our salvation, our sanctification, our Christ-likeness, but there's coming a day when you will be glorified, fully sanctified, fully conformed to the image of Christ, fully without sin. I look forward to that day, by the way. Oh my goodness. So there's a couple of scriptures just to explain to you this progress. Um, But notice the third um, column there, or the third uh, box. This initial sanctification is because of the cross of Jesus. Then the ongoing sanctification is because the Holy Spirit is at work within you. And then that ultimate sanctification, that happens at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of that three columns is salvation. All of those three columns is what we call sanctification. Um, There under the initial stage of sanctification, the penalty of sin is justly paid because of the cross of Jesus in your life. But then you see, you and I are currently in this progressive stage, this ongoing stage, this maturation stage. And this is where the power of sin is being dealt with in your life. Y'all, that is a marvelous truth there. Let Let me sketch it out for you here in our room. The day that you accepted Jesus... Yes, Lord, I believe in you. Right there, the penalty of sin, which is death, was dealt with in your life. Is everybody with me? So you can have peace with God. You don't owe God anything. The debt has been paid. Was that a glorious day? Oh my goodness. The debt has been fully paid. But the very next day, you stepped into this time frame in which God wants to destroy the power of sin in your life. The penalty of sin had been paid, paid in full. You can have peace with God, but resident within my constitution, there is still a power that wants to exert its influence every day in my life. Death is still very much a part of my being. There's mixture in my being, there's contamination. God's coming after that. And for the rest of my life, He will try to diminish the power of sin in my life. And then there's coming a day, praise the Lord, in due time, when the full presence of sin will be done away with in my life. Then I am fully saved, by the way. You see there at the very last line, your initial sanctification is instantaneous. Then it becomes progressive. And lastly, it consummates in finality. Uh, Rabbit trail. You may not know this. It's time for you to know this. When we ask people, when did you get saved? That's really the wrong question. What happens is you initially receive the life of God. We call that regeneration. So we need to really ask people, when did you get regenerated? (laughs) To which they will not know what to say. And you just say, well, let me explain. Regeneration, to be resuscitated, to be made alive. Mm -hmm. We call that normally, when did you get saved? The deeper way to say it, when were you regenerated? But you and I are currently getting saved. Mm -hmm. We were saved on that day, but it was an initial salvation. It was an introductory. It was the seed of salvation sown into us. We received the life of God. You with me? Mm -hmm. But we are still in the process of being saved. Are you all aware of that? Yes. And we are in a growth spurt right now unto full salvation. So salvation, if I can put it in a picture of an of a, of a ear of corn again. Initially, there's the corn seed that germinates. Then there's the progression, the growth, the maturity. And then ultimately, the ripening and the harvest. At harvest, we would say The corn has come into full maturity. This is the picture of salvation. Initially, we germinate, but we call that really regeneration. Then there's the progression, the maturity, and then there's the reaping of salvation. And you'll see it's a concept in the Bible where you and I have to go for that full maturity, go for that full harvest. That full salvation. Don't just always look back and say, Ah, I accepted Jesus when I was 12, I can live how I want. Uh uh. If you really accepted Jesus at age one, (laughs) then you will have a desire to move on in salvation. And not just always look back, Ah, it's been 50 years since I accepted Jesus. Um, but there's no fruit in your life, there's no Christ-likeness in your life, there's no revelation, then really, really, really? Were you born of God, really? Or did you just accept your culture's view of what's right and wrong? Did I just say that? (laughs) Look at your notes on the right-hand column. Sanctification is that continuous operation of the Holy Spirit by which God's divine disposition is imparted in regeneration and is maintained and strengthened by the same Spirit. That word strengthened caught my attention when I saw that. Strengthened. God wants to strengthen the initial holiness put in you. He wants to strengthen Christ that you received. That's what sanctification is. Here's another person that says it this way. The steamship, whose machinery is broken, may be brought into port and made fast to the dock. The ship is safe, but not sound. Repairs may last a long time. Christ intends to make us both safe and sound. Justification gives the first, safety. Sanctification gives the second, soundness. That's a good little image, huh? Mm-hmm. Let's go back to point number three. Sanctification is a spiritual process God engages His people in according to a foreordained, predetermined, and predestined purpose. By the way, sanctification is not something God just comes up with today. Like, oh yeah, I think I'm going to work on Jenny a little bit. Sarah needs some help, so I'm going to try to like sanctify her. It's not a whimsical... Uh, i got nothing better to do with the universe. Let's see if we can uh, harass uh, Harley a little bit more today. Sanctification is a predetermined thing. God is doing in you according to a predetermined vision for you. So, number A. Sanctification is a positional change. It's a positional separation. God does want to change you out of darkness into light. From Egypt to the good land, yes. But number B, sanctification is a constitutional transformation. And the changing of your inner man is something that God has ordained Long ago, by the way, who are you being transformed into? Who are you being transformed into? The image of Christ. Yeah, there is a predestination on our lives and a lot of people erroneously interpret Romans chapter 8 verse 29. They think that that passage is a reference to God sending some people to hell and maybe other people are going to go to heaven and so they interpret the the passage of predestination in Romans 8:29 exclusively as a a hell or a heaven kind of an issue. But if you just read the text, you'll notice that heaven and hell is not the subject of discussion in Romans 8 verse 29. Jesus Christ is the subject of discussion. He's the object. He's the goal towards which God refines and sanctifies and renews and transforms us Romans 8 verse 29 that we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ so yes does the passage teach predestination yeah But it's not predestination unto heaven or unto hell. But it's we've been predestined unto the image of Jesus Christ. In other words, if I can imagine this, when God, bear with me, imagine before time and space began and... The eternal purposes of God was being formed, if I could even call it such a thing. God knew that there was going to come a day when he would work with mankind and renew mankind. Not only save mankind, but renew and transform mankind. And it's at that time in eternity past, if you will, that God made a predetermination, a pre destination, that when he works with man and saves man and transforms man and infuses his character into man, what is he going to do with them? What is he going to make them look like? And that's when God predestined and said, when I work with man, when I work with mankind, when I work with men and women as individuals that accept me, I'm going to conform them and change them and renew them and transform them into the image of Jesus Christ. Beloved, that's the goal, the object unto which God is renewing us. I hope that you see that God is ever keeping in mind the perfectness, the completeness. The holiness of his son the person in the universe of beauty and flawlessness and it's that person into whom he is conforming us and transforming us and sanctifying us in closing today you and I are under the sanctifying hand of God he's working his holiness into us and yeah we can all be honest It's, it's tough. It's tough when God deals with us. But beloved, you and I, although we experience the difficulty of this working at times, God is rejoicing because for the joy that is set before us. Just like Christ, there was a joy set before him. He endured the cross despising its shame we have similarly something that is set before us by god he knows the end from the beginning and he knows where he is taking you and i in fact he knows into whom he is conforming you and i and i pray that the spirit of god would comfort you and i as we're in this process and sometimes we can't see the end goal we can't see the transformation that's taking place I pray that the Spirit would comfort you and keep you in the race, that you would not grow weary and and faint in your soul, the way the Hebrew writers would write to the Hebrews. Beloved, God has an end for us in this sanctification process, and it is His Son. May the Spirit remind you of that wonderful goal so we can persevere and suffer long through the influence of his holiness upon our lives beloved stay in the race stay in the journey and stay under the transformative influence of holiness